You are listening to the Leaving Inside Out podcast, and I'm your host, Tox Arotere. This is episode four. Welcome to the Leaving Inside Out podcast, where we believe that our gifts are given to help us navigate life's challenges. Episode four is other people's opinion. How are you? How are you finding these lazy, hazy days of spring? I had an interesting week. I walked into the shop to find our basement flooded. (laughs) Yes, it was. But what was so fascinating about this was my own reaction. I was a bit surprised, of course, but I also had such a sense of calm and peace and I just knew that I could handle this and I would sort it out. And I did. Now, if this had happened a year ago or so, I would have named it a crisis. I would have got into a state about it. I would have been freaking out. Here's why I had the reaction I did. I was filled with joy. I've been in this space of joy and the day I walked in, I was overflowing with it. Joy comes from God and it comes into your mind through your spirit, literally filling up your mind. Happiness, on the other hand, comes from things happening. I heard that definition last week and I thought that was a good one. Joy comes from God. Happiness comes from things that happen or something like that. So when I walked into the puddle of water, it didn't change my emotion. Joy doesn't leave when the circumstance becomes unpleasant. In episode two, I talked about having a mindset of peace during a storm. Because I was in a place of peace, I was able to make the decisions to get the flood, the leakage stopped, get the carpet ripped out, hire the humidifiers and do everything I needed to do to sort it out. And life has just carried on as normal. Because crazy stuff happens in business, like floods in basements. That's just one of the perks. (laughs) But I've also adopted that mindset of redefining your storm, which I mentioned in episode two. I'm learning not to name challenges, crises. I'm learning to call them opportunities. And it's working because I'm looking for the opportunity. And you know what I found? I found out that we'll be having a brand new, beautifully designed basement soon. That's what happened. (laughs) So on to today's topic of other people's opinion. I think I heard about hybrids for the first time in Form 3 in secondary school. Someone, somewhere, some century, came up with the idea of crossbreeding a horse and a donkey to produce a mule. And if you know anything about mules, they are sterile. They can't reproduce after their own kind. And the reason that crossbreeding is popular, or why it's a practice that even happens, is because The aim is to create an offspring that has specific qualities that the breeder wants. So in the case of mules, they live longer than horses, they are stronger than them, and they are more patient, and they are not as stubborn as donkeys. And so they've basically picked up qualities from both mother and father. This is also done in the plant kingdom and where we have seedless grapes and crossover fruits like tangelos and 
citrus fruits are crossed over to create new fruits and stuff. They also have desirable qualities, but then they're also sterile. You cannot plant a seedless grape and expect anything to come out of it because it wouldn't. I have to tell you, though, that I am averse to messing with nature in that manner, but I can see the reasoning behind it. The idea of taking the best parts of two animals or two types of plants to produce a better result makes sense, but not in all cases. Because when it comes to grafting someone else's idea onto yours, you might get a visually appealing result. But in reality, the idea in itself is sterile and has no life of its own. I can't exactly pinpoint when my people-pleasing tendencies began, but I grew up surrounded by love and the words of my parents that I could do anything and I could be anything. So it definitely did not come from some trauma that I experienced in childhood. I suspect that it was around the time I experienced the perfect storm that I shared about in episode one. And just to be clear, a perfect storm isn't one that has a good or a perfect ending, whatever that looks like for you. A perfect storm in seamanship or in sailing occurs when different elements which in itself can cause a storm all come together to form a mega storm and they call that a perfect storm. So in my case, going back to episode one, I had lots of different things going on at the same time, each of which had the power to create a setback in my life and they all came together and formed a major setback. But that kind of major setback also took away some of my confidence because we live our lives heavily in the physical and emotional space. And I mentioned as well about your confidence or your identity being tied to temporal things. When the storm swept my temporal things away, it also took away my confidence, at least some of my confidence. Another byproduct of the storm for me, was the entrance of the imposter syndrome. This is that state of mind where you just cannot accept responsibility for the good work you've done. So you end up relying on the opinions of others to deem you as worthy. Years later, I would go on to learn not to draw conclusions based on what I saw or what I felt. But in that moment, at that time, I lived mostly by my emotions. And if I felt good, then it was good. And if it looked commendable or other people confirmed it as worthy by others, then it was. This meant that if I didn't feel assured of my creation, I'd go hunting for pats on my back in the form of other people's opinions. I was relying on others to sanction my work for me to feel good then I draw the conclusion that actually I did well. When your actions are governed by the opinions of others, you will not reach your potential. You will only grow to the height that they have imagined for you. So I had two things working against me. One was my people-pleasing tendency and the other was my fixed mindset. The people-pleasing part wanted to keep those around me happy, so she said yes to all their suggestions. 
the fixed mindset part believed she had reached the end of her abilities and needed to graft her ideas onto someone else's just so she could get a better result. I believe we attract our weaknesses into our lives. The people pleaser attracts insecure people who are looking to be doted on and the fixed mindset attracts people who hold the promise of expanding their ideas or making it better in some way. But as we now know from hybrids and grafted trees, two ideas from different species are sterile and whatever fruit they produce will not go on to produce more. And there's a word that I love in scripture and it's called virtue. It means life producing. I've left a scripture reference in the show notes. Your idea grafted onto someone else's may produce one fruit, but that fruit will have no life in it and it will not go on to produce more. That's just the nature of a hybrid. Your idea in its own might seem weak and it might seem irrelevant, but I guarantee that it will bloom. I can also assure you that a hybrid idea will look more attractive and might even get you some money but it will not in itself bring about further results. So I didn't just have people pleasing and a fixed mindset working against me. I also managed to attract complementary people into my life. Just like jigsaw puzzle pieces, one of the worst, the worst types of friendship combinations is between a people pleaser and an opinionated, insecure person. I was the people pleaser with a fixed mindset and I was hanging around people who were opinionated and insecure. It's the ideal space to kill your dreams and I am really, really looking forward to that episode on friendships. A time came when I looked back on my life and I saw my journey, especially my business journey, zigzagging all over the place. There were times I could have gone straight, but I went left and turned right and went straight and I turned left and I just was all over the place. At each of these points was a friend or a personality directing my life. When I looked closer, I noticed that the wrong turns were taken when certain conditions were met. And I'll share three of them. First one I noticed was that they imposed their opinion at a time that I was feeling less than confident. Case in point, I became a mum at 26 and I read every book from cover to cover. I read every pregnancy magazine, watched every program. I knew just what to expect and I had a plan for how I would mother my newborn. I also happened to be in a church where many of the moms were young. And if you had a child, you know that the level of vulnerability and uncertainty that comes with motherhood is a 10, a perfect 10. I remember how everyone and their mama had an opinion on how I was supposed to raise my little one. Someone said to me, apply lotion in an upward motion. (laughs) on his face so he wouldn't get wrinkles. This is a newborn. Another one told me I needed to breastfeed and bottle feed as well because breastfeeding wasn't enough. 
Others had an opinion on what size of clothing to buy. And one of the ones that burned me was the one who told me to put my newborn baby in a three to six month winter coat. Because they grow so quickly, you regret it in a matter of weeks. And now I look at that baby picture of my son in that horrible winter coat and I get angry all over again. I also stopped breastfeeding when he was seven months old because in their opinion, it didn't make sense to. I was supposed to wean him off. I still get a bit annoyed when I think about my first time mom experience and how it was influenced by others. So should I be honest and say how I allowed it to be influenced by others? But I did get my revenge back (laughs) because my other kids, no one could tell me anything. And I breastfed my youngest till he was two. Yes, I did. The second condition I noticed was The person who was doing the imposing was someone I cared for or I admired. When I opened the baby cot shop in London, I was in conversation with someone who I truly cared for. They did in fact come across as having even more knowledge than me, so that was a double whammy. But they also seemed to genuinely like me. So I found out that a certain celebrity in Chelsea was pregnant and I thought, great, I'll invite her to be the guest of honor at my opening event. I whipped out my phone with the intention of reaching out to her via Instagram because Instagram offers small businesses the opportunity to reach anyone in a way that LinkedIn cannot. So my friend responded, you've got to craft a proper letter. There are copy specialists who do this for a hefty fee. You can't just write a celebrity without doing things properly, Tooks. You're a luxury business. Now, I ignored the fact that I had, in fact, built my business and got to where I was without her help or her opinion. I had even emailed celebs and I had got them to shop with us without a specialist writer. I had, of course, had VIPs and even royalties shop without my invitation. They came on their own. But what did I do? I agreed with her. I put my phone away and I made a verbal promise to find a copywriter. Oh, don't worry. I know one of the best in the country. I'll get his details for you. Don't worry. Needless to say, that never happened. Details never materialized. I never chased up after my potential guest of honor. I was left disappointed, but I learned two lessons. One, when you commit to something, you must ride on the wave of your decision with the energy that came with that idea. Otherwise, it will fizzle out. Second lesson, imposers draw their strength from controlling your actions. They want to be partly responsible for the direction you take in life Did I mention that there's an episode on friendships coming up soon? Yes. (laughs) I think we'll just make that a series because it's huge. It's huge. It's huge. The third condition occurred when the person came through as having more knowledge or more experience. Or should I say that when I identified them or labeled them as having more knowledge. Now, one of the scariest experiences of my life happened just over three years ago when I opened on the King's Road. The day I signed the lease is an episode in itself and I promise to share that with you. I was of course worried. I was scared. 
I even felt doomed to fail before starting. All kinds of controlling emotions showed up, but there was a power that was stronger and it kept pulling me forward, even when it didn't make logical sense to carry on. So, in a bid to alleviate my fears, I reached out to an acquaintance in the furniture industry. He also happened to do digital marketing and he ran a very successful business. I wanted him to do some work for me because in my panic, I led myself to believe that the only way I could survive this new phase of my business was if I immediately ramped up sales on my website so it could pay for the physical location. And this was his response. Talks, are you sure you know what you're doing? Opening a showroom is no small matter. You've also chosen one of the country's most affluent locations, and I'm not sure you can handle it. Listen, Talks, I'm speaking to you as a friend here. I know you don't know me that well, but I've been in the game long enough, and I know what I'm talking about. Let me ask you something. Have you really given this some thought? Listen, my husband jokes with me and says, I don't understand why you don't sweat. How can you look so cool and unbothered when the rest of us are sweating in the heat? That day, I listened to this man's words over the phone and I began sweating buckets. It was my fault. I went looking for confidence outside of me and instead what I got was more uncertainty and a bucket load of fear. I believe inside us is everything that we need to fulfill the dream we carry. The confidence I needed was inside me, not outside. The route to marketing and increasing my sales was inside me. I didn't have to go to somebody that I deemed as more knowledgeable or more successful than I was. But I'll be honest and say to you that I believe in the principle of intention, which is actually the topic for our next episode, and I can't wait. My true intention when I dug deep to find out what was going on in my mind was not to increase business sales. It was to gain reassurance from someone I considered more capable than me. Living inside out is the practice of drawing strength from the seed of your purpose that's wrapped up within you. Relying on other people's opinions will definitely set you on the wrong path because everyone's on a different path from you. I want to point out that there is a difference between mentorship and asking for opinions and we will get into that in the future. I'm going to add a fourth route for taking in other people's opinions. Sometimes it comes from people you've never even met. There's an invisible collective voice that speaks to all of us and it gives us its expectation of us. For example, family or society or culture. And this can be the culture at work or at church or just your tribe or your group of people. It might show up as their expectation that you should be married by now. You should have had a child or two by now. And in some cases, it shows up as their expectation on how you should be a wife to your husband. Lisa Price sold her company, Carol's Daughter, to a non-minority firm, and she received a backlash from the African-American community. 
She started her business in her kitchen and grew it by her hand into a million-dollar company single-handedly. And then she sold it, I believe, to L'Oreal. In our community, our conversations highlight the importance of Black businesses, particularly hugely successful Black businesses, staying within the community so that we as a people can be empowered The reason the upset came was because people felt she had sold out. In an interview, she explained, People were upset because I had rewritten the narrative that they wrote for me. That collective voice I mentioned had an opinion and imposed it on her without knowing the ins and outs of her business. And the truth is that in business, having multiple locations and Being seen everywhere does not always translate to what you think it does. I remember the day I realized the story of my life was being written by others. I had shared a business idea with a friend and I was so excited about it. But it took 20 minutes to explain the details of what should have really taken two minutes. Because she kept pushing back and picking holes in it. Holes like, what about your business? How can you run the baby cut shop and start another business at the same time? And I replied, well, the two ideas work really well together. And if it gets too much, I can always hire staff. Yeah, but then your family will suffer. Already, you say you're tired and you don't have enough time. How do you think you'd be able to cook and look after your home with a third or a second business? And so it carried on every sentence I shared was shot down very quickly by this person and it was all done with a smile. Finally, I took my cue and I stopped because I realized she was trying to write my story for me for whatever reason. Nobody knows like you know what you should be doing and don't be surprised if those in your circle don't feel the same strength of conviction that you feel because they don't see things the way you do. And it doesn't mean that they are haters either. They just don't see what you can see. If an idea is precious to you, guard it diligently. Like in the words of Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, a guinea fowl's egg. I guess those things are very precious. (laughs) Hard to find maybe. Ideas are fragile when they are young and they should be treated with great care. I admit that there were times I didn't have an unwelcome opinion shoved in my face and I was the one who went looking for it. The people pleaser wants those around her to be pleased and she's prepared to be the step stool for others to stand on. That was me. But it all came to an end when I began to really practice authentic living. Episode 3 My gifts became exposed because I had stripped away the layers that covered them. And that was where I drew my confidence from. Finally, I started to say no to them and yes to me. And that's another thing I discovered that when you stop asking other people for their opinions, they go off to find another victim to grasp themselves onto. Like Lisa Price, there is something about you following your own ideas that make others who are not following theirs want to latch on. So they claim ownership of your plans by telling you what you should and what you shouldn't do. 
other people's opinions become harmful when it decides the trajectory of your life. When you do not take your cue from your spirit, but instead trust what others think, that is a problem. The day I decided to stop seeking was the day I started to fly. My gifts, which I had been holding back from using, finally came to the surface and I haven't looked back since. So how can you start to trust your own judgment? I'll give you three tips. Number one, change your mindset. Every change, every habitual change begins with your thought. There are thoughts that you have harbored and they have now become mindsets and those mindsets are filtering your decision-making process. If you're going to change the way you process your dreams, then you've got to change those mindsets. So first you identify what they are and you compare it with absolute truth like the word of God and see if there is any authenticity to it. Second tip, this, these are tips, by the way, that I have used and have worked for me. Second tip is to start small. Start by taking baby steps. Do you have a habit of running to your friend for every little problem? Well, begin making those small decisions yourself, knowing that if you fall, you can simply get up again and keep going. Practice taking responsibility for things that go wrong, and it will build your confidence to step into the unknown. My third tip is to keep a record. Create a bank of evidence. Think back to the times that you made your own way, even if it was only because there was no, no one around to help you. Get into the habit of recording such instances and before long, you'll have a repository of courageous and bold moves that you have made. This also builds confidence. But in addition to that, it gives you a reserve to just draw life lessons from. And so when you're looking for someone else's opinion, you can draw from your own pool of wisdom. <laughs> when I think of many of the women I've had the privilege to speak to, either in a mentorship or advisory capacity, I see in them what I have fought for a good chunk of my adult life. A lack of confidence in delivering the gift that they're already so passionate about Often when they come to me with their ideas, they're not just seeking a way to get it to market. They're also looking for reassurance or some type of guarantee that their idea is worth pursuing. I want to gift you with the truth that your ideas carry the life it needs to become fulfilled. Remember in episode one, I used the analogy of the orange seed inside Every seed is all it needs to become a tree. And it's the same with you. I believe that your idea has everything it needs to be fully materialized. Today, your story has been written by others and it's called Other People's Opinion. Don't follow their script. Write yours and follow it with all the boldness that you can muster. I've added a blog post link to the show notes, which goes into more detail about this. And if you're yet to subscribe, what are you waiting for? Please share the Leaving Inside Out podcast if you know of anyone that will benefit from it. And remember to rate today's episode on iTunes. Thank you for listening and remember to leave always from the inside out. <music>